Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome again uh, to Timberlake Church. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. I want to welcome those watching uh, online and at our other campuses as well. As we are finishing up a series called For the Win. We've been looking very practically and biblically in areas of our life where we want to step into a greater win, defining that win. We talked about that the first week. and In fact, went through an exercise you could use in any area of your life. You say, hey, I, I'm not a church person. It's really applicable to anything. Uh, and, but we looked at for the win in our faith. We looked at for the win uh, in our career. Uh, had a great conversations with people who've been applying that uh, in their workplaces in incredibly incredible ways. And today we're going to look at for the win uh, in our finances. And I'm a little reticent to even talk about this today because I know that, of course, today, uh, this weekend, uh, incredible holiday weekend, we celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and we have these big holidays, but for people who can't quite get it together, we have a holiday too. Do you know that? January 12th, National Quitters Day. Yeah, and so, yeah, January 12th is when most people quit their New Year's resolutions. Yeah, and some of you say, wow, I didn't last that long. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we quit, and here's why we quit. Uh, I'm not one of these people who, I, I hear people, unfortunately, sometimes I hear pastors even say it, uh, people just have bad intentions. I don't believe that. I believe 99% of people have great intentions. But the problem is, intention to action is sometimes a chasm. And God wants us to cross that to where we start living, John 10.10, our best life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, but it's really according to his plan. And that's why we study the scriptures, practical application to our everyday life. Now, I know there's people, you might be here visiting for the first time. Uh, next week, we're starting our new uh, marriage series. Uh, if you want to be married or are, are married, I encourage you to come to that. Invite a friend. It's going to be a lot of fun and practical as well. Uh, but you might be here and you're like, okay, finances. Uh, man, last time I was at a church or a religious institution, they talked about that. That was a real bummer. And so for some of you, because this can be awkward, I want you to break the ice. So why don't you go ahead and turn the person next to you and tell them your income before and after taxes. And, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd go right there, make it really awkward. Uh, so here, here's why I'm so passionate about this, is I'm passionate because I've seen people whose marriages have failed. One of the number one causes of marriage failure has to do with finances. People who have anxiety People, well, John Ortberg, one of my favorite authors, says you look at society and you only need to ask yourself the question, is greed winning or is fear winning? 
And what if there was a way that wasn't greed and wasn't fear and was a better way for us to live when it comes to our finances? And so I'm going to speak clearly, unapologetically, but not my opinion, really from the Scriptures, and we're going to get to that in a moment. When it comes to anything, uh, Solomon, and we're going to look at his writings today, uh, says this, Proverbs 14:8. the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. And I think we need to think about this area of our life. Uh, my, my father, uh, growing up, uh, was a businessman, uh, and many of you know that, uh, you know, great Jewish businessman. People ask me when I talk about finances, they say, hey, do you have an MBA? I said, better than that. I have a Jewish father, so, you know, so they, uh, so we have, uh, he, he had great businesses. He knew how to make money and did quite well, very successful, yet it was the other aspects around finances where he struggled, which, by the way, is sort of embarrassing when you're Jewish. I mean, it's the burden of our people to teach you Gentiles about money. I mean, it really is. Uh, so, uh, but he struggled in certain areas, even though it was, he was successful in other areas. And I just see that play out again and again. You know, uh, some of you will say, oh, I'm bad at money. And here's what I want to say is stop being bad. You don't need to be that way anymore. God gives you wisdom where you can find a win in your finances. I'm not telling you you're going to be rich, but you can find success and peace in that uh, area of your life. But others of us, we, we have areas where we're doing well, other areas where we'd say, you know what, it's just not a win for me. And so we're going to look uh, at the writings of King Solomon. King Solomon was the wealthiest person on the earth when he lived during his day. He was the second king of the nation of Israel. And he writes uh, books that would fall into the category called wisdom literature in the Bible. If you're new around the Bible, the Bible is uh, one theme, one message inspired by God in 66 books over a long period of time. There's historical narrative in it that tells what happened. Now, it's a, sometimes it's a spiritual history that includes actual history as well. Uh, about the nation of Israel and its relations with surrounding nations, the life of Jesus, the early church, how God uh, created the universe. There's, there's a historical part of the Bible. The Bible also has a song book in the middle of it. It's devotional theology, the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms. It's a different kind of literature, history, and then a song book, there's also uh, teaching, which uh, didactic teaching it's called, to, to the early church. We find these letters, which is about two-thirds of the New Testament. There's four accounts of the life of Jesus, because really, as you look at the world today, uh, most of the earth is having a question about Jesus, whether Jewish or Islam or Christian. M most people are a, a believer in a faith where who is Jesus and what does he mean? is the central question. So the Bible has that. And, and there's a prophetic literature that says what's going to happen in the future. It's fun to look at, sometimes hard to understand. But wisdom literature is different. It doesn't describe life as it was or life as we want it to be or even how it should be. It describes life as it really is. And so uh, Solomon, he describes this, and he talks a lot 
about money and work and finances uh, from a guy who was pretty successful at it. Well, before we get to his teachings, I want to go to uh, uh, our key idea. And our key idea is very simple, is plan everything you can. Plan everything you can when it comes to finances. In Genesis chapter 41, the book of Genesis, one-third of that book of the Bible is about the life of Joseph. And in Genesis chapter 41, after a series of trials and tribulations, he becomes prime minister of Egypt. Think about that. A Jewish kid is now the prime minister of Egypt. And it's because he had some supernatural wisdom from God, and he understood that there were seven years of plenty, and they were going to be followed by seven years of famine. And uh, it blew everyone away. You would think it's pretty practical today. Here was his advice. During the seven years of plenty, save. During the seven years of famine, spend what you saved. <laughs> blew my mind. You'd say, of course, but isn't that a lot? We know things to be true that we don't practice. Do you know that? I, I know that. During, uh, between Halloween and uh, the New Year's was some of the best food I've ever had in my life. I knew not to eat a whole box of chocolates, but at, some, at one point I thought the Holy Spirit had told me to do it. The, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so there's, there's this wisdom that we need to apply. And some of us here are like, oh, I, I don't want to talk to anyone about that. Here's what the Bible says. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said this. Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And that's really God's will for us uh, in our life, that we would find success. Well, how do you know if uh, you need some wisdom? Well, if you are spending more than you take in, this is for you. If you don't know if you're spending more than you take in, if you don't care if you're spending more than you take in, if uh, you are making financial decisions that your spouse doesn't know about, this is for you. If you're making financial decisions that you hope the IRS will never find out about, this will keep you out of jail. This is what this will do. If your giving is driven by guilt, this is for you. If saving for uh, the future seems like a distant reality. This is for you. If you don't understand the current situation you're in financially, this is for you. See, Solomon, what he does is he shares timeless truths about financial peace and success. And so we're going to go through the Proverbs and we're going to look at these. The first one is probably the, the one that seems a little more counterintuitive. Uh, the rest, actually, will just be practical wisdom we apply. But as we look at this first uh, fill-in, is first, I have to choose my God. And you're like, what? You have to choose who your real God is. Uh, I, I want to correct this, too. Some people will say, well, you know, money is evil. No, it's not. The Bible says it. No, it doesn't. Well, it says that uh, money is the root of all evil. No, it doesn't. It says the love of, the over-prioritization of money is roots of all kinds of evil. Money is actually a good thing. In fact, this is where if you say, hey, I'm checking out what's the difference between Buddhism and Christianity is how you view the material world. 
One is the material world is less important. The other is the material world is actually a blessing from God for us to enjoy. And so, see, there's a difference in how we approach this. But we can over-prioritize it, right? It can become our God. There is a, a book called The Day America Told the Truth. I don't know if any of you ever read that book. It was a, an anonymous survey, incredible uh, piece of research about what people really believe, and they were able to do so anonymously. The question they asked, they asked, what would you do for $10 million? And what they found out was scary. 25% of people said they would abandon their families for $10 million. Some of you like that doesn't bother you very much. That's okay, you're a weird group. The, uh, <laughs> uh, that's horrible. 16% would give up their U.S. citizenship, which is sort of more people would give up their families and their citizenship. 7% uh, would kill a stranger, which I encourage you to look at the person next to you. Go ahead and do that. 3% uh, said they would uh, give up their children for adoption. I know, that seems low. The, uh, 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 so, uh, but, uh, but the funny thing is, is that is an over-prioritization of financial resources. Uh, I, uh, August 13th, 2008, the reason I remember the day I became pastor here is because of what happened next. Uh, many of you know you were here, uh, Timberlake, uh, at that time of the middle of summer, we were one church, one location, one service. Uh, sorry, you in the balcony, you didn't exist yet. And, <laughs> uh, and you on the sides probably weren't here either. So uh, we, but that wasn't the biggest problem. Uh, the biggest problem was about six or seven weeks later, what happened in America? Yeah, the economy crashed. Great recession, but it was not my fault. It, it, it did. It, it happened, and it, the economy crashed, and uh, the church had its own struggles before then. And I got to observe something, is how people dealt with it. Yeah, any of you remember 2008? Were you around 2008? You don't ever want to relive it, right? Yeah, it was a horrible time. But I saw people who become radically despondent and I think it's really because their God died. Uh, it's not, hey, I was bummed too. But it was too big. If God is my God, I understand this about him, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are what? Safe. They are safe. Because here, here's what happens is we, uh, you know, you're saying, yeah, but you don't know how how bad or how good I have it. Uh, the real question is, who is my God? First Peter 5, 7. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Next, I focus on income. Number two. Uh, it's funny. Here's something that I find really weird in church because it's in the Bible is that we rarely talk about this even though Scripture, in multiple places the Scripture talks about this. It talks about what is my income. Last week in For the Win, we, we talked about being excellent at our work. One, because it honors God. The Bible actually commands you to. And yes, most of the time you will get promoted and you will get paid more. Uh, and we see that happen uh, when people really embrace Christian faith. If they embrace it biblically, uh, it affects their career and subsequently can affect your income. Usually it does. 
says this in Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. If you have children, that should become a memory verse for them. <laughs> uh, number three, we face reality. We face reality. Uh, and it's interesting, many smart people, uh, we don't do this. Uh, it says this in Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. Uh, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Now, you're looking at that and saying, I have no flocks, I have no herds. Well, this was an agrarian society. 90% of people, this would have represented any wealth they had. And so, it's saying, know your savings account, know your stock options, <laughs> and that's really what it's saying, is that I have to understand, I need to face reality. I remember in 2008, uh, and when the financial crisis happened, uh, we were looking at our financial reality, and uh, it was not as pretty as it had once been. And I turned to my wife and said, honey, if you've been hiding money from me, now's the time to tell me, <laughs> and I will forgive you. <laughs> In fact, I will hug you and kiss you. Uh, and she wasn't, so I was bummed. But uh, <laughs> for, for some of you, I know we have a, bre uh, you know, with our five campuses, all our services, some of you are killing it right now. By the way, that's not bad. Don't let any, don't, don't let someone misrepresent the scripture to say that's bad. Only if that's become your God, now that is bad. Others of you are struggling. And no, no, that is not your worth. People will say, how much are you worth? You know what you're worth? You're worth Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross. That's how much you're worth. That's the ultimate descriptor of your value. Well, I'm a billionaire. That's not what you're worth. I'm poor. Well, and by the way, how do we evaluate poor? Poor is, you know, poor in uh, Wichita, Kansas is different than poor in Bellevue, Washington, right? Yeah, we, all, we do it by comparison, right? Poor in Haiti is different than for people who live on Coronado Island, where I hope I live someday, in California. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you know? <laughs> but uh, it's, so it's really... It, we base it on comparison. So how do we, how do we face reality? And, and I find very smart people who practically have not gone through this step, and I really encourage you to do so. Uh, first, you need to know, what do I own? Uh, if you've ever uh, done it, if you've ever owned a business, you know you have to do this. You have a financial statement, and you have to say, what are my assets? Uh, and by the way, uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, I've talked to people, well, you know, I, I'm investing, I, I have a home, I got a new car. A car is not an investment, by the way. It is. I'm I, as someone who actually at one point in my life made a little bit of money in that business. Uh, a car is a depreciating asset. So what do I own, and then what do I owe? Uh, and I've talked to people who will say to me, well, I don't really own any, I, I, we don't owe any money at all except for our house payments, student loan payments, and car payments. No, seriously, I've had that. And, and I just got to tell you, and I'm not, is that is debt. They're serious about that. Uh, so you have to say, what do I owe? There may have been good reason or bad reason you got in the debt. What do I own? 
what do I owe? And uh, then what do I earn? I, I've talked to a lot of folks, well, I think I sort of make. Don't think you sort of make. Know what you make. And sometimes it will blow your mind in a positive way. I've, had, I've done financial counseling with couples, and they're like, oh, yeah, we can barely make it. And then, you know, I'm talking to them, and they're both making over six figures a year, and they're saying, we can barely make it, Pastor. What do you think I should do? And I'm saying, well, let me slap you first. And then, no, <laughs> the, the truth is, we need to change, wh- number four, where is it going? Where is it going? Have you learned that your lifestyle it really uh, can expand uh, based on your income. It really can expand based on your income. And, and this is really important as you do this. Some people will say, well, okay, I have a budget. If, if you have a budget, you're better off than most people. But budgets, honestly, are not the most helpful thing. Because all a budget tells me is how much money I intended to spend before I went into Costco. That's all it tells me doesn't tell me when I got to the wow wall and I saw all those things that I didn't know existed, but I really needed. Uh, and so then, so what you do is you say, what's, track your spending, usually for 30 days at first, and then 90 days, and that'll help give you a financial picture of where you're at. Uh, and then uh, number four is decide if you will be generous. Uh, again, you know, this is not uh, guilt or anything like that. You just decide, am I going to be generous? Everyone thinks they're generous. You know, I gave $20 to a homeless person, bought a pair of Toms, I rounded up at the grocery store, so I'm like, you know, Mother Teresa or something like that. Uh, and, and I'm not saying those are bad. That's probably not would rise to the level of generosity. What surprises me is the interesting of secular, uh, the amount of secular research done on generosity. One of my favorite books, again, not necessarily from a Christian perspective, uh, uh, an older book, Robert Kiyosaki, he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, also The Cash Flow Quadrant, uh, great books. And he said that uh, you, if you look at people who are financially successful, uh, and he's not talking from a Christian perspective, is that they tend to be generous. Uh, and Christians in particular, we give a response, and that's why we're generous. Don't be, guilt, don't be manipulated by guilt. I know for some of you that's happened in church. By the way, everyone will try to get your money by manipulating you through guilt. Uh, have you watched the SPCA commercials on television? Yeah, what it, it's, it's, emotion, it's trying to get an emotional guilt response, so you give. You're saying, well, it's a good cause. It is a good cause. It's still emotional manipulation. And so what I'm saying is what if you're intentional about what you do. So we're just intentional about uh, our giving. Some other research I came across in, in 2017 uh, study, I think it was from Indiana University, it was also either quoted or a separate study done by the University of Chicago. By the way, neither Christian institutions, they were studying philanthropy, the Journal of Philanthropy talked about this as well, that uh, Christians, uh, they give more. That, that's not actually open for debate. That's just, you look at secular research. Christians tend to be more generous. Uh, one of the uh, studies I saw, which was really interesting, is even if you took out all the giving Christians give to their church, they still give more than their secular counterparts beyond that. 
Uh, so why is that true? Because we understand that, that we give out a response. That we're generous because God has been generous to us. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, honor the Lord. Now, now this is talking about church giving. And my perspective is, biblical perspective is, first you give to your church. You know, people say, well, I sort of tithe and I give everywhere. You can do that. You can do anything you want. That's not, that's not a, what Scripture instructs. It says, first you give to the place you worship. And, and I know some of you are saying, oh, you're just saying that because it's self-seeking. One, I don't get paid on commission. And two, I didn't go into this profession to become rich. If I wanted to become rich, I would have become a model. The, uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what? What's going on? No, so, so I'm, I'm just trying to give you instructions. So it says, first, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Now, people, if you're, if you're a Bible scholar and you study, uh, the Bible always talks about God putting God first, even more than amount. Now, the Bible does teach the tithe. You give your first 10% of the Lord. Some of you are like, that sounds crazy. I'll tell you what, there's lots of people, all the staff here, all the leaders here, they do that. That's why we have the resources uh, uh, that we have. But even it, beyond the tithe, which the scripture teaches, it talks about putting God first. What do most, how do most of us give? Emotionally and accidentally. So when, it, when I show up to church, when Pastor Ben tells a funny enough joke, when the testimony is good enough, and what I'm encouraging you is to just become intentional. So I put God first in my giving. For my wife and I, what we do is uh, we uh, just do that every month. We, we use our app. By the way, if you haven't gone on our app, a couple thousand people, I think, have downloaded our app, which is awesome. Uh, there's a way there to just set up reoccurring giving. And now I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel pressured. I just know. And then if I get extra income, yes, I tithe on that uh, as well. You can do it through your bank if you want to do it that way. But it, the intentionality removes the manipulation from the equation. And then number five is always save. Always save. Uh, savings is something that is easy for some of us. Some, you know, you can actually oversave. Uh, my wife and I have, we for years, now we've changed it since then. Now we're, we're both working and we have uh, some other things that we're doing. And so we've upped this a little bit, but we always gave our first 10% to the Lord, second 10% to savings, and then we split the rest with the government. That was sort of how we did it. And because uh, <laughs> they're like the mafia. No, uh, the, uh, but we, so that's how we did our, our spending. And if you do that first, uh, it, with savings and giving, too, I've had people, well, you know, uh, you know, it's hard for me to give. I don't have much left over. It's like, that's great. God never wanted your leftovers anyway. He wanted to be first. I don't have much to save. I don't have much left over. You shouldn't do that. You should always pay yourself first. And then you determine what the rest is. Now, here's the deal. I know as I talk about this, some of you are saying, nailed it. Nailed it. God is my God. I'm a generous person. I give a tithe. I give beyond tithe. I'm real generous and intentional. Saving, I have tons of money in the bank. 
That is awesome. That is awesome. But there's uh, some of us, we would say, you know what, one of these areas is not quite there. We offer something called Financial Peace University uh, with Dave uh, Ramsey developed this. And it really is taking a holistic, not just talking about giving or saving or income, a holistic view of financing or of wealth. And you know what you can produce when you get that holistic view? Peace. Peace. We've had couples, we ha I mean, I know uh, two in the church who I've had conversations with who, who went through that. They were having some financial problems, and they went through financial peace, and they w got through it, and they paid off their home on the east side. I didn't even know they let you do that. <laughs> and my guess is, for many of you, their incomes are actually lower than yours. See, there's a way to manage your finances in a way that you get peace and a little bit of prosperity. Prosperity is, is, is wonderful. God doesn't owe you anything. But it just comes to applying his principles. Well, number six is control spending. This is not the fun part. It says one person pretends, uh, one person tends, pretends to be rich they live on the east side. No, just kidding. <laughs> yet has nothing. Another person pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. When it comes to spending, too, uh, I, there's two groups of people that I really want to talk to. One is for those of us who you'd say, hey, I need to control my spending. I, I need to do that in a way that makes sense. Uh, when I hear pastors, and actually I do, I, I actually have a consulting business where I help pastors and churches and nonprofits with this. Uh, you know, often their go-to is, well, if everyone would just give up Starbucks. That is silly and ungodly. Why would we do that? Uh, because it's not about your Starbucks habit. It really isn't. It's about just doing those things that bring health. I can't get into all of it, but we control our spending. And by the way, if you have kids, that is trouble. Because those little sinners will want to... No, the, uh, <laughs> no it, it just we get a plan and we operate according to the plan. Uh, now, I know Christians, though. Well, some of my buddies who have... You know, because this is a great season. Are we in the seven years of famine or are we in the seven years of plenty? As society, we're in the seven years of plenty. Let me tell you. If you think this is famine, you were not alive in 2008. And so... The, the question is, what do I do when God's blessed me? Well, you can increase giving. That's what we've done. We increase saving. But then you get to enjoy the rest. One of my buddies who's a very successful uh, attorney, and what, he's, he was faced with this guilt. He was raised in a Christian environment and saying, ah, oh, I feel guilty that God's given me so much. And the truth is, you can enjoy that. That's Okay. If, and, and don't let someone else, and this is what often happens, the least generous people will judge you. They're not generous. Well, we should help the homeless. What are you doing to do it? How much did you give? Oh, well, you shouldn't talk to me about that, Pastor. Don't let the least generous people judge you for how you deal with your money. You deal with it before God. Am I putting God first? Am I saving? Am I open? And then I realize I don't deserve anything. 
but I live on the rest and I say, God, this is a blessing from you that I'm to enjoy. When we plan, we get rid of fear, manipulation, and guilt. And so the idea is to plan. Number seven, take my next right step. So what's my next right step? Uh, practical application from today. First, for some of us, it's like, hey, I got to figure out where I'm at. You know, Ben talked about that income. Honestly, I'm not even sure what we're making right now. I'm not sure what we're spending. I'm not sure what we're saving. And in fact, or what, what I'm giving it, uh, the annual giving statements go out. They'll go out this next week. Uh, and don't save that in your drawer till tax day. Just, yeah, you know, uh, that's if you're saying, hey, my giving, just say, what am I giving? And what's my next step? How am I going to routinize that? Maybe use the app. I'm going to be intentional in my giving. Maybe you say, you know what? I really could do more than that. And I'm going to have some intentionality around it. Or maybe you're struggling financially. And you just need, you need to talk to one of the pastors. Maybe there's an emergency right now. And you say, hey, I need the help and support of my church family. We don't know unless you, you come to us. And then uh, Financial Peace University. That might be, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward with greater health in my finances in this season. At the group center, you can sign up for Financial Peace University. And it's not just people who are overwhelmed with debt. It's people who say, hey, I want to get better in this area of my life. And then I would say, start now. Start now with your step. Because otherwise you're going to come to National Quitters Day on January 12th. And you're going to say, maybe next year. Maybe next year. I, I, I started with this. First, know who your God is. Because when I understand that, the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in plenty and when I have nothing. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Now, I, 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 the book of Proverbs is primarily written by King Solomon, but I love what it says in the, this is called the Sayings of Agur. We don't know a lot about uh, who that was. But I call this the pragmatist prayer when it comes to money and finances. It says, keep me from falsehood and lies uh, far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. My goal is that you have money that money does not have you. That begins with saying, God, I want to live a, a, a Jesus-directed life. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.